0: Welcome to the Return to the Forgotten Path podcast. Your host today is Laverne Cox, and every week a friend will join me on this journey to a forgotten pathway that leads to rest and restoration. This podcast is a weekly Bible study of this week's Torah portion, or sha. It is a weekly reading um, study ac- according to the Jewish annual Torah cycle and every week we will have an in-depth Bible study filled with both historical and cultural viewpoints as it pertains to the return to the forgotten pathway that is increasingly happening all around the world. We will share our opinions, our review of our studies from this week's Torah, which is also known as the Pentateuch of the first five books of the Bible, as well as our study of the half Torah and the Brit Hadashah or the New Testament or New Covenant readings. Why are we doing this? Why return to a forgotten path? Return, which in Hebrew means shavu, is um, a call or a beckoning um, to the forgotten path, which is also known as the the way or the old path. Jeremiah 6.16 puts it this way, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. In isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 through 5 it is also spoken of in this way in the last days the mountain of the lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains it will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it many people will come and say come let us go up to the mountain of the lord to the temple of the god of jacob he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths the law will go out from zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, he will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is obviously referencing the Messianic era, but there are additional references to this continuously throughout the scriptures. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 7, it says remember the days of old and consider the years of many generations ask thy father and he will show thee thy elders and they will tell thee um jeremiah 7 verse 23 puts it as well like this: but this thing commanded i them saying obey my voice and i will be your god and you shall be my people and walk ye in all the ways that i have commanded you that it may be well unto you and again isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says And thy ear shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And when you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. Isn't that awesome? You know, the Lord himself, uh, his voice, his spirit, his shekinah, his glory is calling us to return to this pathway. Every week, I would have a new friend joining me on this journey. And today in studio, we have... day in studio, we have Jacqueline Sejour. Jackie, as she's commonly known in our family and amongst friends, is a mom to two beautiful daughters. She is a paralegal by trade. And that being said, it seems to have come out um, by the way that she dissected the scriptures um, in terms of story or the, the life of Isaac that we are discussing and his children, Esau and Jacob, this week that her critical analysis nature helped us to um, expound on some topics that possibly may be foreign to some of us, but we were able to tra- traverse um, what we are currently studying in and go back to Bereshit and kind of bring back in the components of exactly what the original sin truly was and bring that into context with the study of Tol and the lives of Esau and Jacob. And I do believe this is a great opportunity for those who are listening to participate, to share your perspectives, give your understanding and possibly give some clarity to the things that we may not have Provided a thorough review on. Um, our desire consistently is for participation and for others to learn and grow as we are sharing this study with you openly. We desire open feedback as well. It is our hope that in the second recording, which will be posted a little later today, that you also find some insights, some pearls, that you can put within your application, your study, to uh, further your walk with the Lord. And ultimately, if that is accomplished, then we have fulfilled the goal of this broadcast. Collectively, sit back, listen up, and be prepared to learn and to challenge some thoughts that you may have had coming into this study. Shalom. This week's Torah portion is Toldot, or Generations. The Torah portion is found in Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 through chapter 28, verse 9. This week's Haftorah Torah is found in Malachi chapter 1, verses 1 through chapter 2, verse 7. This week's Brit Hadasha is found in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 31, as well as Hebrews 11, verse 20. And Hebrews tw- 12, verses 14 through 17. The blessing before the Torah reading. Barku at Adonai Hamburak. Baruch Adonai Hamburak Leolam Vayed. Baruch Adonai Hamburak Leolam Vayed. Baruch Adonai Elohim Melekal Alam Asher Bakobanum Mikom Benala Benalatanul LeTorato, Baruch Adonai Notin Hatora Amen. Bless the Lord, the Blessed One. Blessed is the Lord, the blessed one for all eternity. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all peoples and given us his Torah. Blessed are you, giver of the Torah. Amen. Starting chapter 25, verse 19. And these are the generations of Isaac, uh, uh, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armenian of Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Arameen, to be his wife. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord let himself be entreated of him. And Rebekah, his wife conceived, and the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, wherefore do I live? And she went to inquire of the Lord And then the Lord said unto her, verse 23, two nations are in thy womb and two people shall be separated from thy bowels, And the one people shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. Verse 25, and when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came forth ruddy all over like a hairy mantle. And they called his name Esau. And after that came forth his brother, and his hand had. Ooh, ooh. Trying to figure out where it just where did it just go? Mm-hmm. And his hand had. Let me see where we are. What do you see? Mm-hmm. My version sorry. Okay. Yeah. There it goes. My version. It. Com- I have a commentary under mine. It's kind of hard to, to read sometimes. And his hand was held onto Esau's um, heel, and his name was called Jacob, and Isaac was threescore years old when she bore him. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. And I'm gonna stop there. Okay. Just from the beginning, the intro um, of Toldoth, that is a uh, Toldoth, meaning generations, from your study, what do you, what came out of it from your perspective in regards to the story of Esau and Jacob and their birth?
1: I just like how they have the culture, the culture that you follow behind, it shows that being pregnant and bearing fruit, it's just not, simply being pregnant and having a baby.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Everything has a meaning. Yeah. From, the, from the way the, the, the baby feels into the stomach, the way the baby comes out, everything is a, um, everything has a meaning. Nothing is without a purpose. So for the, for the scriptures to be very specific on how the babies were in her stomach, Mm -hmm. like the type of pains or the feeling she was feeling in her stomach to the point where now she's delivering these babies and how the babies interacted with each other in the womb and how they're coming out. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
1: they even described the way the babies look. Normally people don't describe how the babies look. When, When we give birth, you know, the doctors, they come, they clean off, the afterbirth and they they do all their little stuff and then way after you see the baby you know sometimes the doctors take the baby out put it on your stomach sometimes they don't sometimes they take the baby depending on how the baby was born was it healthy was it in distress mm-hmm. and then after that then you get the baby once the baby is what they may call you know in a safe state or whatever mm-hmm. but for this for here it, it shows that all what was taking place in this in this in the, in the um, all what was taking place in the womb and what took place on their birth gave a, a a a inclination of how they would live their lives. So one went into hunting, the other one was pretty much at bay. They stayed home. You mm-hmm. know, if it wasn't if they didn't want to be out. The other one wanted to be out and the other one wanted to stay home.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So that, that's pretty much what I got from this
0: part. Um, I, I think, I think you're definitely in in on to something with the, the nature of the way that you carry. There's a there's something to that, there's a purpose or a meaning behind it. And I also find that the this is like the first instance for me in the Bible. I know that the, there's earlier instances in the scriptures where the name of a child is given. And the name has meaning. I think for me as a child growing up, this was the first time I actually understood the meaning. Um, I, I now understand that Isaac means laughter, but I, I've read that for close to 30 years and never understood in my earlier understanding in being inculturated, indoctrinated, that that's what that meant. Um, I never really understood, but the, the story of Esau and Jacob, from the beginning, you understand that these names mean something. And it was very clear to me um, as a child that Esau was not, his name did not have the same connotation of high beneficence or like this is a great kid, you know, to a degree. And I I think from a, a way that I saw it as a kid looking back in it, it's like he's the bad kid, this is the good kid. And I was trying to understand in my adult mind, looking back on it, what. What portrayal of just the name did I get in the context of this story? And so I saw this um, portion in Hebrew for Christians, and I'm just going to quickly read it. Um, it's specifically just talking about the naming of the two kids. And I thought that was maybe this is really where it's coming from. But maybe in my childish persona, I didn't really understand where it's coming from. So. It says, uh, Rebecca's pregnancy was not an easy one. However, the children struggled within her. And the word used there is, let's read this together, Reetz, I think. Um, sea, comes from the root that means to run, suggesting that the children were running in different directions within the womb. And if you look mm-hmm. at Romans chapter 9, verses 11 through 12, according to the Jewish tradition, Rebecca feared that she might miscarry and decided to go to the school of Shem or Melchizedek or the Melchizedek to inquire of the Lord. There she was told that the two nations were in her womb and the two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger. Genesis chapter 25, verse 23 It's also, it says, if you go read Romans chapter nine, Jackie, if you can pull that up on your side, Romans chapter nine, verse 11 through 12. It seems to say that it, it is also conferring some similarity there as well. It says, when the children were born, the first came out hairy, and his name was Esau, perhaps from the Hebrew word, Isev, meaning grass, which is different than what I've heard. I've heard that you know, Esau was named after his readiness or hairiness, whereas um, the second came out um, with his hand on his brother's heel, and he was called Yaakov, um, which means grappler, from the word keb, which means a heel. Um, so when the boys grow up, Esau was a skillful hunter, an outdoorsman, while Jacob was a quiet man studying Torah and the tents of Abraham and Isaac. In later Jewish tradition, Esau represents the nation of Rome, and specifically Roman Christianity, whereas Yaakov represented the nation of Israel. Um, and so from the beginning, I didn't understand in my childish Christian upbringing, I didn't understand that. I think I, reading the story, all I can see is favoritism. That's what I, I saw. But as I've grown, I think what I'm starting to realize, it wasn't favoritism that discerned the difference. It really was the, the, the essence, this nature of these two people that discerned the difference. And from the very, um, time within their mother's womb the difference was very pronounced and I, I feel like especially now that they've in Judaism they've likened it to Christianity and Judaism or the nation of Israel in um, Yaakov I feel like there is a dichotomy like a huge separation in terms of how could these things that are related be so separate and so distinct
1: <clears throat> there's that scripture that comes about um, I don't remember exactly where it is, but to sum it up, it's, there would be the wheat and the shears or the, tear, the shears. yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the wheat and the tears will be to will grow together, but there'll be a time when they would separate. So what I see here is even in the womb to bring forth twins one may be of god and the other may not be and it and that that stands out a lot because <clears throat> you see in families no matter how a family is a child is raised in a household that child still makes a decision to follow god or not to follow god
2: mm-hmm.
1: and there's other parts in the scriptures we'll talk about, you know, we'll just train up a child as and, you know, so yeah. that the world will not depart and that it will, it will, you know, they will have something to fall on. Hmm. Well, those are the ones that, you know, I believe are to make it, but because, you know, and then you see the, 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 the story in the scriptures where it talks about the sun and or you talk, it shares scriptures about the seed and how the seed falls, and then it shares scriptures on, you know, um, just different definitions of how the word can fall um, on on a particular soil when it's ready, when it's ready, or, or how it is when it's not ready, right? Mm-hmm. How that seed will not take root. But the bottom line is, is that god is the one that causes that seed to grow and to flourish Mm -hmm. and when you go back into these scriptures and you see just from in the womb how even as a baby the scripture says how god hated esau Mm -hmm. and the first thing you would think is like well whoa, well why would you hate a baby well no it's not even about the baby it's what the baby represents Mm-hmm. the the baby represents everything that is not of God. Mm-hmm. So whether it's cute and small, it's going to grow up to be big and tall. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, I just, that's just what I see. I just, I just got that. I just got that. You can bring forth a child. And, and another thing too, cause I, I did the, um, I did the Aliyah um on the uh the torah portion of um Bayera, he appeared mm-hmm. and in that I believe it was the half tour no it was it was the torah where I read and it I got that just because you know God went a couple of times to people who were seasoned in their age like why would you want auntie Mimi to have a baby again right now like Mm -hmm. she you know Mm -hmm. what's all that about Mm -hmm. and it came to me that it's not about having children if you didn't have children and you you it's not about having children a big deal in your senior year in a sense of um oh you know we don't want you to die without having children god was finding people who truly loved his truly loved worshiping him just truly loved what he represented. Truly loved his law, and it was ingrained in them. And they, and when he saw in them, he did not see no evil or wickedness. Mm-hmm. So that's why he blessed Abraham to be the father of many generations. Because within that seed of Abraham, we have the ability to repent and to um, do what's right. Mm-hmm. Whereas probably with another seed, even if they wanted to do right, they couldn't do right because of just what they're made up of. Mm-hmm. Like if you are an aloe plant with spikes, mm-hmm. you are not going to grow a pretty flower.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's not true. They yep. do
0: flowers, though. I'm just going to let you know. I have one. This <laughs> just but so what you know, what thinking, <laughs> it's
1: like it, it, because. I couldn't understand at first, like, why, why would a woman be pregnant with twins Mm
2: -hmm.
1: raised in the same household, same Mm -hmm. mother, same father? Mm -hmm. And, and another thing not to go too far left, Mm -hmm. I found this out and I I haven't done any further research. So I'm just like regurgitating if news that I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but it sounds like it is that it's possible for a woman. To have a set of twins that have different fathers. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that was even possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to know the time and like how do you synchronize? <laughs> I don't
0: even want we to go there. I don't want to go there. I, I, do know understand what I'm you. Saying, I do understand. I'm just you. like, okay. Where were you? I got Okay. You. But okay. I do not I just have something in regards to what you're saying. And I, I think that this is. I think we're both saying the same thing, but I'm going to expand upon it a little bit. Um, And what you're talking about is how could one be evil? How can one be good? And you're saying from the same seed, how could they come forth? So I'm going to give you a response to that that comes from the scriptures. And it says, Isaiah 45, verse 7 reads, "Um, God, I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, Lord, do all these things. So when you look at, yes, they are two within the womb and they are coming from Two different points where one is the the total representation of what is um, not that you can't say total perfection, but this is the desired path. This is the desired way for you to walk therein, and this other one is definitely walking away from that desired path. If God is the creator of both good and evil, and He's also the one who recognizes that that obviously for the mere sake and, and point that he put that tree of good and evil in the garden, there is an, an aspect to, and I'll put this in a, in a way that seems uh, easy to, to understand and comprehend. There's an aspect to the nature of who God is that understands both, but is not corrupted by it, that can perceive and orient the nature of human beings to desire one path versus another. And I know that a lot of people don't believe in this predestination thing, but there is some aspects to this that most people are not recognizing because I, I, I've i been listening to a few rabbis and some of them are very esoteric. They, they're talking about mis- very mysterious things, but from a very much, down and, put, and think philosophy if god knew in creating mankind that they were going to sin why did he do it and or why did he create them in that nature that they had that ability to sin and the the answer of the why was they why were they because cre- he again was trying to create you in his essence and in his in his form. In his form, he none he can have access to both <laughs> good and evil. And then had mankind uh, passed the test in the garden, he would have become like his father, where he would have un- understood it without having become it. And I think that the nature of the fact that mankind failed that test and now was privy or weak two the evil in this world is the reason why we have a jacob and esau it's the reason if you look at the original sin that's the reason why we have a jacob and esau and not necessarily per se because um that his her mother his mother or their parents did something wrong in either training him or how they formed him or any aspect of that but the innate nature of what the Bible calls iniquity, that is with us from the, from our birth, is the reason that Esau becomes like the heir of, unfortunately, an image of righteousness, but it really denies most of it. And that's the reason why it's, <laughs> he's likened to um, Rome Christianity or the Roman aspect of Christianity, because there is this air, this facade of righteousness, but everything in it is completely separate from the way of God. And so a lot of people that have grown up in Christian household and say, I'm following the Lord, even though they can see that this is some pagan stuff that they are, are practicing, even though this is, this is what God says. This is what the Bible says. This is what God wants. This is what my church teaches. This is what they can see the dichotomy. They can see that there's a separation. This is not unified, but they have come into this agreement, and I, I'm using that word purposefully. This agreement with that path that makes it very difficult to turn away from it. And just like you mentioned earlier, where um, Esau and Jacob seemingly are walking at two different paths, and in in the way that this text uh, expounds upon that and says that it literally from in the womb, it seemed like they were going to separate in the mother's womb because it just seemed like they were at war from the beginning. That's how two polar opposites react. You know, if you have two <laughs> polar opposites, that's just the nature of it. It's going to separate. It's going to try to pull either one from the other or the other one's gonna to try to pull the, and it just doesn't happen. It, it literally continues to wherever that point is. It, it creates a, a point of pull and separation between the two. And so I see this not so much as, as how in my Christian understanding, when he said God Esau hated, I don't see Esau per se as evil or the epitome of like what we see Hasatan as. I don't see him as that. I see what he's talking about in terms of the, the, the way that he's heading in as the epitome of the wrong way. And that's oftentimes not the way that we see it. We tend to, in Christianity, we see um, you done the evil, so you're the evil person. Or you've done the wrong and therefore, or if you do the good, then you're the good person. And that's not necessarily the case. I do think that there is a, a sense of mercy that is extended to both to exist, number one, and then secondly, there's also an aspect of one can't exist without the other. You can't have north without south. You can't have left, you know east without west. And so it that dichotomy of what they, the, these two represent is purposeful. And I don't think that sometimes when we look at it in the Bible or look at someone going the opposite way of what we deem righteous, that we see it as purposeful. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason we don't is because it is difficult for us to comprehend what's the purpose behind it why would why couldn't they desire the good way why couldn't they have that heart just like <clears throat> from, from his his womb had that heart what's the why is the why is that polar opposite even necessary and from our perspective many times those questions are not answered and from that perspective we we create our own answers. But I don't think that that ever comes down to answering at its core, why are there good and evil? Why, why did you put that option there for us?
1: I'm just looking back at the parents because Isaac, Isaac was like the perfect child to even the obedience as a grown man Mm -hmm. to allow his father to lay him down and tie him up as though he was going to be slayed and trust that his father was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't really know too much about Rebecca other than she's from the household or the family generations of Sarah.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we see some inside of Sarah's personality where, you know, she, she wanted to do things her way because things probably wasn't working fast enough so she had her her maiden you know have uh laid out with Abraham because you know God promised the seed and she wasn't seeing where the seed was coming from so she had to create a way
2: mm-hmm.
1: long story short um we go back to Rebecca and Rebecca She um, just to get a little understanding of who she was, you don't really see her character until after Jacob was older and she devised a trick. While she knew Isaac was about to perish, like he his eyesight was gone. So she she utilized that um, that situation to make sure that Jacob was the one that got the blessing and not Esau. But my thing of that, that goes even further, like, wow, how can you, oh, I I know, I know exactly. But it's like, because I'm even trying it, you know, I'm even experiencing something similar too. Like, how can you be a mother and like so despise your child? I mean, you gave birth to the child. But I truly believe it's not so much that you despise the child, but you despise the actions or the attitudes of the child. Because I'm telling you, it don't matter what you do, that child is gonna have its own personal characteristics, personality, yeah. their own, I don't care what you, you could have brought that child up into a a, a, a closet yeah. and all they saw all their lives growing up was nothing but scriptures. But as soon as they come out, yeah. It's, it's 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 like no matter what you've done it's it's it sometimes feel like it's for not because it's like
0: where did you get that from how did you come up with that well, I'm it's, gonna, it's right there it is right in that that I think that I got a different perspective and this is one of the reasons why every week I, I try to do this engagement with um, other people because i feel that iron sharpens iron it is it is the measure by which we ought to grow when the scripture says that we're supposed to learn you know you know not one dot or one you know dash or you know it's going to be removed until and i i have so many different you know scriptures in my mind i have the king james version so it's like dash uh, dot or dash or you know so there's so many different ways of interpreting it but not one aspect of the scripture is going to be done away with until all is fulfilled. Even in that last portion of that sentence, until all is fulfilled is the answer of what you're asking, because that is the purpose behind what is happening in our world. And the reason that you have as a child, a nature that sometimes is foreign to your parents is because there is a purpose. It's going back to the question of what is the purpose behind this, because the rabbi, one of the rabbis I listened to this past week, um, it's the rabbi, uh, Rabbi Sachs, who passed away, um, I think two weeks ago. Um, he did a about ten years ago. He did a review on this particular portion, and he said that most people tend to see um, the blessing going uh, Esau was trying to do towards uh, Esau as favoritism. But he says, let me provide you with a different perspective on it. If you truly love a child and you know that they're going the wrong way and you desire the best for them, will you not hold out hope? Would you not give up the 99 to make sure that that one is saved? And that is really where, from our perspective, we're not seeing the intent we're looking at the action, because you have to understand, obviously his father should have known the nature of his, of his child. Rebecca <laughs> was aware to it. Why wasn't his father? Was he that blind spiritually as well? And he gave a, uh, an, under, uh, an explanation then that when the word says that Esau was cunning, it was specifically in regards to his words in other words, he said the right words. He honored his father with lip service, and so because of the honor that he provided to his father in terms of lip service, if his father asked it, he would do it. But his heart was away from it. His heart was not tied into it. He did but not. But you know what
1: I I have a different I have a different spin off on that because mm-hmm. when you look at when you look at um, Isaac. Mm-hmm and you look at Abraham, and you look at Sarah, and you look at um, her maiden, I forgot the maiden's name. Hagar? Hagar, yeah, Hagar, thank you, Lord, because I was seeing Hagar, but I didn't say it. I didn't Mm -hmm. think I was right. Mm -hmm. But even in that relationship, it hurt Abraham because he knew he had an elder son. Now, of course, God already laid out the path, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was already done. It, the path was set. So, no, you cannot get, you can't circumvent your, your covenant with God and, and put Hagar's son in that blessing because that's not what God said. God said it will be a seed that comes between you and Sarah. Mm-hmm. So, so, I truly believe that Isaac and that way of thinking was all about um, honor, respect and also culture and also um, authority. So what am I saying with all of that? What I'm saying is even though the twin or whomever came out first, Mm-hmm. is the eldest mm-hmm. he was going based off of that okay it, i don't even think it mattered to him the behavior mm-hmm. it just was he's the eldest so therefore the eldest gets the blessing
0: okay. it
1: is the eldest that carries on my legacy
0: okay.
1: now we watch movies we see videos we be like oh head to the no no that kid is just no, that's Dennis the menace, long, short story. We're not going that route. So let's do the switcheroo because we know that child was going to blow up the whole house and everything in it. But his point of view was he's the eldest and he is to um, bless the eldest.
0: Okay, okay. So let me, I'm going to, I'm going to, I definitely see your perspective, but I'm going to share with you a different side of this, because this is oftentimes how we can sometimes be biased in our reading and don't even recognize how biased we are. So I get where you're coming from. And I do understand the favoritism Because on the, the level of what the scripture says. It says that he favored him. So I agree with you. There's no disagreement there. It says that again, um, Rebecca favored, he, she favored uh, Jacob. Or Yaakov, she favored him. And so there's no disagreement. We're laying that all down. But what we're going to look at real quickly is the fact that who was the word given to? In the story, when you compared Abraham and Sarah, Abraham received the word from the Lord. It was not until Sarah herself heard the word from the Lord and she chuckled at it. She, again, she laughed within, in, you know. And she was like, did I laugh? No, I didn't laugh. And how you caught me laughing? How did you, how did you hear? Because she, she felt she laughed within her own heart. She felt, how could you have heard that? But again, she, the Lord, all that time, remember, Abraham was being promised this seed all this time. He was believing for it. And it was his wife, as you just mentioned, that did not hear directly, that could not believe to receive what her husband had heard all of those years. She came up with, it. she devised her own plan, she figured out she's going to do it this way, X, Y, Z, L, M, N, O, P. It could easily be said in the in the story of this blessing that Isaac may have heard from Rebecca what the Lord had given as the revelation, but because he didn't hear it directly, it it, it was not being manifested with enough weight of conviction for him to oblige it to maintain that. And in in exact way that the scripture is constantly going through I'm looking over over and over again every year I look at this and I'm like why didn't the lord just tell him? That just you know did he not tell Abraham that you know don't the blessing is not going to go with Ishmael it's going to go with Isaac? Why didn't the lord just tell him? And I've, I've gone through this year after year and I have not seen any clear conversation that would have been necessary or helpful in this position. And I think that's the reason why she's not being cunning. She's recognizing he's not going to do as the Lord requires. You can say cunning, you can definitely say it was definitely duplicitous, definitely. She's she's showing one face and doing something else. But I do think that there's a reason behind this and the reason is found in between the verses. Um, and I'll give the two things that I see. In chapter, um, this is, I think it's chapter 26, where Jacob comes in and he sells his um, his birthright for the soup, the, the, the bowl of soup. Um, the first thing that the scripture says is that it was despised. He despised it. And I think that, or he did his, his another, uh, said he did not esteem it and then the reason that it's not esteemed because it came with the requirement to go that way that's not what he wanted the birthright is not the blessing and they're not one of the same they they come together as a up but they were not one and the same the birthright was you are to follow after my order this is what we can't we believe this is the blessing that we're holding on to just like we have the patriarchs, that's the, bless, that's the birthright blessing. And it is according to the scriptures, even in Torah, you're supposed to go to the eldest. But every time you see where in the early patriarchs where it didn't go to the eldest, it's because it is being patterned for us. It's kind of showing us insight into, from my perspective at least, now that I can see it from a little bit of a, a more, a different perspective than my Christian upbringing, it, it's not patterned after um, according to the flesh, the flesh of things. And this is also going back into Romans chapter nine. Um, Romans chapter nine, verse one actually kind of elaborates on why this, is, this particular thing is happening between Ishmael and Abraham. And then this similar type of pattern is happening between Abraham and Isaac, um, not Abraham, excuse me, Isaac and Jacob and Esau. And why, again, with Jacob and his sons, again, the same thing. The blessing does not go to the, the birthright blessing does not go to the eldest. Again, why in all three cases of these patriarchs that the Torah blessing, which should be assigned to the eldest, does not get assigned to the eldest. And the reason is found in it's just expounded in Torah and, and Romans chapter nine, but I'm just gonna read Romans chapter nine real quickly because I actually opened it when um, I asked you to read it before. I don't know if you have it still open on your side so we can possibly read it together. What scripture is that, Rome? Romans chapter nine. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so if you don't mind, could you read from verse one? And I think we're gonna one, end up. One yeah verse one up to
1: like verse uh, I think it's about twelve. Okay, it says, um, "I say the truth in Christ; I lie not. My conscience also bearing with the witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, from my brethren." my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory of the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promise. Who are the father? Who are the fathers and who are concerning the flesh? Christ came, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are all Israel, which are of Israel, which are Israel, which of excuse me, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham, are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise, are accounted for the seed. For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca also conceived by one even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good, or evil Mm -hmm. that in sorry that the that I moved my sticky that the purpose of God according to the election might stand not of works but of him that I call it. it it was said unto her the elder shall serve the younger as it is written Jacob had I loved but Esau hated have I hated what shall we say then is there Unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said that Moses will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, is not of him that willeth, nor him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scriptures say unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose have I risen thee up that I might show my power in thee and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore had he mercy on whom he has mercy and whom we will, he had, I'm sorry. Therefore had he mercy, had he mercy on whom he will have mercy and whom he will be hardened thou wilt say
0: then unto me okay so why gonna, do you pause right there for a second because uh, i i saying you're reading the it's like the king james version and the it's and us uh, uh, is so hard <laughs> excuse me <laughs> so i'm just going to read part of me my, my choking on my own <laughs> joke um so <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna i'm just gonna read that last sentence i'm using the english standard version but i can use tree of life if you wish but i think it's it's pretty clear with this one. But he says, So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. And you will say to then, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the mm. part no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel? for honorable use, and another for dishonorable use. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for the vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who were not my people, I will call my people. And her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel through the number of the sons of Israel, be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For well, the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would become like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. And the last sentence, chapter, uh, last two sentences, um, verses rather. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith but that Israel who pursued the law would lead to righteousness, okay? But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness, but did not did not succeed in reaching that law. And so the question, I guess it's a question, but it's a statement. So I'm going to read it again, because I'm reading it as a question. He said, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is righteousness that is by faith but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. So I know that this seems like the entire chapter is like a contradiction. It's like, okay, are you saying that we have a, a, any any hope? <laughs> is there any hope in all of this? Because if you, if you already ordained that we would be saved, who you would save, you're going to have mercy on who you should have mercy if you're going to Um, determine who you will harden the heart and who you will grant grace you know how will they be able to stand and then you say on one side you know he's the potter we're clay we can't say to the potter you know make me this way do me that way and but yet there seems to be the the perspective of what I've called my Christian thinking that he's finding fault Okay, why does he still find fault? This is verse 19. Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his who can resist his will? And I, I understand the perspective because it's like, okay, it, it's I don't want to swear, but it's like the 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 mankind saying you, you you're doomed if you do and you're doomed if you don't, you know? And it's not the case that you have no choice in this in this matter. There is an aspect of choice, but there's also an aspect of grace. And this is going kind of going back to seeing what I call the dichotomy, really from the beginning, the, the beginning of everything that we're talking about, there was always this dichotomy. There's always this good and evil that is playing, being played out in the Bible characters. You can even say, unfortunately, all the pawns throughout history, all the evil people that people have called evil, they were just pawns. They are unfortunately being played into a role that they think that they're creating with their own decisions. But a a part of that is just like Pharaoh hardening and the hardening of his heart, making it strong and resistant to the pleadings only prepares them for higher destruction. And I, I listened to this week and it's seemingly like a confounded place to be to have been in this realm of predestination because you feel like there is no choice, but there really is. Even in light of everything that is going on, there still is choice, but they're seeking uh, the, the seeking of the heart or the, the, the nature of the heart is what fulfills its desire. In other words, if I desire things that are good and beneficial, if I'm doing something that is not good and beneficial, my heart that desires the good is going to seek correction in regards to how should I do this the right way. But a heart that wants to obtain something regardless of whether or not I work, desire it, or I just want to keep it from somebody else. The thing that is is the intent of the heart is still, is going to seek that out in any form that it can obtain it. So in I think, I, I'm, I'm with you on that because as you were
1: talking, I was just getting like this download that just because a person was born to do bad, are born to do evil things does not mean that they cannot worship God. Just because someone worships God does not mean that they will never be evil again. It's the fact that they took the time in their evilness to note that they themselves are not self-created, brings about a weird way of being righteous.
0: Because if you are destined, huh? Explain that again to me, because I'm a little confused. If you are destined
1: to be evil, but within your evilness, you recognize that you are not Mm self-sustaining. Gotcha. And in your evilness, not, not doing evil, I'm just saying, just being evil, like not having the opportunity to repent, not having the opportunity to read the word and and to correct thyself. I'm Mm -hmm. saying in your evilness, you self, you self, you self attain that there is a higher power other than yourself. In you doing that, it brings about righteousness. Because now as a person who is doing evil, he recognizes that even though he's doing evil, he's not, he, he cannot create a sense of, okay, tomorrow I know for sure I'm gonna be breathing. Mm-hmm. I know for sure my heart is gonna be pumping. I know for sure all, every artery in my body, every, every sense I have is going to operate. Nobody knows that it's by the grace of God that you wake up. So what I'm saying is, God, this is like the ultimate love, right? Mm -hmm. That you can create something so wicked and evil and have the hopes that they would change on their own. That all you have to do is lay out a plan, a game plan and say, hey, I know you're wicked and evil. But just in case you get to a point in your life that you recognize that um, you need me, I'm here. I'm not going to break down the door to you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to restrain you. But I'm over here just so you know. And then you have another one on the other side that all they want to do is please God. Mm -hmm. And if they even had a thought, they are floored. They, 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 they just begging for forgiveness all day long. And they wish that they can do something to, to make it better. But they, they truly understand that the only way they can actually rid themselves of it is just to confess and to give it to God and, and let it go. But what I'm saying is that knowing that... It, I mean, if you actually think about it, that's like taking a prisoner who, even when he was a young kid, was not loved, was not nurtured, was not given all of what that child would need to make a decision or to even bond with another human being. So they don't even, they have more animalistics, more animal instincts than they do mm-hmm. a human being.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you take that person, that goes out and feels no way, shape or form, anything to take a life.
2: Hmm.
1: Doesn't matter who it is. Could be a child, adult, doesn't matter. Doesn't care. Doesn't have the consciousness within them because it's seared. It was seared from the time they were born. My point is when that person and all their wicked deeds get to a point where they themselves realize, I did not wake myself up this morning. Hmm. there is definitely a higher power because I'm such a wicked and evil person who in their white mind will want to wake me up Hmm. Mm -hmm. just to continue to perpetuate evil on this earth there has to be something bigger than me and for that person
0: I get where you're coming from there and there's a scripture that um that I wanted to interject with it's like proverbs 9 verse 10 it says the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord and acknowledging the Holy One is understanding. I get where you're coming from. It's like the acknowledgement that wait a second, there is a God. But again, you have in the same scripture again, that says even the demons know that there's a God, but it's the willingness to submit. And I want to pick up even the demons believe that's what the scripture says. Even the demons believe. So it's not, so it's not enough. It's not enough, enough to just simply believe
1: mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's more so to think of oneself as lesser than one God. That's the point. That's what that's, what's going on in this world. Mm-hmm. Mankind wants to be on the equal playing field of God. That's impossible. Mm-hmm. You didn't create yourself Mm -hmm. you can't even go back in time to figure out who created who because in your genealogy (laughs) all you're going to recognize is that somebody had somebody that ultimately at the end of the day had you yeah Mm -hmm. but you did not create this person that has the heart has the lungs has the blood has the skeleton skills nobody can say that oh yeah i created those bones yeah you know so that's what I'm saying. As long as you get to a point and not to get off tangent, but as it, long I, I, I think that's where we're going with this.
0: Did we disconnect? We seemingly disconnected there for a second. Let me see if we can come back. me pause our recording. So you were saying at the time at the disconnect that um, even though we assume that we know, or we think we know.
1: Right. When, so it's like two, a, tw- a set of twins in a womb. One goes one way, the other one goes the other way. Um, you ultimately just think, okay, well, the one who goes the opposite way of the righteousness or correctness, or they're just a lost cause, but that's not necessarily the truth you see in the scriptures how God was able to take men who are destined for destruction, you know, couple of Kings and actually, you know, to the point where their hearts soften for a moment or two and God was able to use them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So <clears throat> I think that, I think that's, 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 that's where I'm headed. It's just that that's the ultimate love, story Mm -hmm. that you would create things that you would know that can either that can either come back to you or not come back to you Mm -hmm. but you still create them Mm -hmm. not knowing mm -hmm. not knowing a hundred percent what um I mean of course God knows all I mean he he has the playbook right Mm -hmm. he's like okay if you if you make a decision to do a a is going to play out, and then blah blah blah. If you choose C, he knows the ultimate play out. But what I'm saying is, you don't know mm-hmm. what what is going to come about. And then I was starting to reference Cain and Abel, and I said, even with Cain and Abel, and I and I think that they were twins. But then there's some, you know, people will say, well, not necessarily, you know. But to make my point, C- Cain. Mm-hmm. We were considered to be the evil one because he he got angry, slew killed his brother, and had no consciousness of it. Mm-hmm. He didn't think about his parents. He didn't he didn't have any. You know, we would say that's a consciousness that was that was seared because you had no sorrow, you had no
0: remorse, you had no perspective. Was, that's perspective. Huh? It's perspective, that's a perspective because it doesn't seem that he didn't have remorse. He just did exactly like his father, um, Adam did. His father, Adam lied and he blamed it um, on some something else than really what it was. And the, the Bible actually gives reference, especially in Judaism, it gives reference to the fact that it was not. It was unintentional. In other words, he didn't know that that would cause. In other words, you think of it like the anger took over and that's why the Bible says the, the scripture before he does this thing, that he's even warned that sin is, you know, encroaching. It's at your door. In other words, you don't know where it's going to lead you, and that's why God doesn't. Um, as you can, see, uh, the Bible says that in that day, according to the promise of eating of the tree of, of good and evil, that in that day you will surely die. That's why you know he does not die in that day, but God grants him mercy and just creates separation. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cain
1: was, Cain, but in our, okay, but in our, in our limited understanding of who God is, mm-hmm. Cain killed the righteous of them too. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So Cain goes to God and says, well, they're going to kill me. Yeah. If I, if they're going to kill me, yeah. they didn't have internet. <laughs> they didn't have, you know, they didn't have nobody to say, okay, I'm going to give you a lift. Mm-hmm. Or or Uber ride, and we gonna take you. No, he knew once folk found out that C- that Abel was dead, and that Cain was the one that killed Abel, he was gonna be the next one. Mm-hmm. So what did God do? God put a seal of protection on his forehead. Mm-hmm. That seal of protection on his forehead was for no man to touch him. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but did 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 right did Cain bring about a righteous de- seeds? well what happened after Cain who came about from Cain mm-hmm. and 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 so it, I think the ultimate love story and, and not to belabor it I just think the ultimate love story is to create or to have a set of children a set of twins and to Know for sure that one is going to go the opposite direction in the other, mm-hmm. but to love them unconditionally because they're going to come a time where they're going to realize that they were not self-sufficient mm-hmm. and even in their evilness for them to cry out to God mm-hmm. will bring about a form of righteousness mm-hmm. that even the ones that do the right things don't even understand. Like the parable of the son that says oh give me my give me my wealth I want to go and he goes and he gives his wealth away he squanders it off and then he comes into his right mind and says oh let me go back to my father's house mm-hmm. Meanwhile his brother's been there all along watching his father look for your sorry self mm-hmm. and then he's like
0: why are we having a party mm-hmm. what I've been here well I'm gonna tell you you're playing the long game in this particular um understanding and i'm gonna show i'm gonna share two scriptures at the end that it's gonna literally connect with your long game it is this is all both acts of love and the acts of love is not how mankind perceives it that god is dooming you to a destination that is not what predestination really means and i'm going to kind of elaborate on it by reading the scriptures in malachi Um, this is a long game. God is playing this long suffering role, but he's giving in regards to this long suffering role. In other words, for example, and I'm going to try to do this real quickly. One of the reasons that I like um, the, I like nature because nature tends to teach you real quickly. If you're doing something correct, if you're doing something correct, it tends to blossom when you're doing things incorrectly, things deteriorate, and that the works of your hands can show a a direct correlated effect. The long-suffering that God is providing to us oftentimes is not always one where, if you know that you're going wrong, you're automatically convinced of it. Because, in essence, to understand the wisdom that God is trying to provide to you, you have to, first of all, understand his perspective and acknowledge him as being the one who has greater understanding secondly and then you have to seek to understand his ways let me put it that way because i really feel like as young believers we tend to think that coming into this whether it be by blood or by adoption of faith that the day I, i accepted this that i was supposed to come into some level of grand wisdom And it's not the case that this grand wisdom is out to you, but but the unction or the opportunity then to get redirections. Like I remember the first time that I started, I just did not understand. And I would get promptings. My heart would be a little bit more um, saddened by my reactions. He would say, don't do that. And I would feel a little sense of disappointment or loss in regards to the correction or an aspect of it for some people that don't necessarily have the same type of relationship that I have. And they're not always aware of that. Sometimes you recognize you you end up at a destination you don't wanna be. And there's a disappointment in the fact that you had some inkling, some sign, some early peradventure, you know, redirect and you didn't pay attention. And so from the perspective of where the Bible is even talking in Proverbs nine about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is this aspect of honoring and submitting yourself to maybe I don't know, and I should listen or be taught because there's this, this even coming into the, the body of believers and asking to be taught. That is a very humbling thing, especially when you've been in a faith all your life and realizing i didn't i never even got off of the milk i was still on milk and i was there for 30 years it's a very humbling it feels like you're stupid to be honest but there's a there's a level of, there's a level of humility that you have to have because that that is even if the Torah that we have the the level that we're coming to is still minute in comparison to the new torah the new word he's going to give us So the the understanding that we are trying to obtain in our human frailty really does require that we have this relationship first with God to recognize that we we need his understanding, we need his unction, we need his uh, redirect, we need to be taught. And that humility to be taught helps us in beginning the journey and then growing in it. All right, so anyway, I'm gonna come back to what you're talking about with the long game because I think what you're saying is r- true. Not everyone is going to end up. Just because God gave you a heart to do good doesn't mean that you're always gonna make good decisions. And it does not also mean that the person, and you can see that it completely played out with the lies of Jacob and Isa. Just because you have a heart to do good doesn't mean you always do good. And that doesn't mean that the, the person who starts off on the wrong path is going to end up on the wrong path. Because again, this is the, the long game. And I'm going to give you a scripture that's going to share exactly what you said in regards to Esau and Jacob, that they actually come, they actually come back into unity with the Lord because the Lord is waiting on that day. So here's the, the scripture Malachi chapter one. It says, this is the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Um, verse two says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein has you loved us? Was not ja- Esau, Jacob's brother, Saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob, but Esau I hated, and made his mountains a desolation, and gave his heritage to the jackals of the wilderness. Whereas Edom says, we are beaten down, but we will m- return and build the waste places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. They shall build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the border of wickedness, and the people whom the Lord uh ex- great forever. And your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord is great beyond the border of Israel. A son honoreth his month, his father, and a servant, his master. If I then be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, wherefore is my fear? Say the Lord close. Unto you, O priest that despise my name, and you say, wherein have we despised your name? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we offered this? And they say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not, is it, is it, it is no evil? Present it now unto your governors. Will it please them? Or will he accept thy persons, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious unto us. This, have, this has been of your doing. Will he accept any of your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Oh, that they were even one among you that would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on mine altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither shall I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name is great among the nations, and in every place offerings are presented unto my name. Even pure oblations, for my name is great among the nations, saith the Lord of hosts. But you profane it, in that you say, the table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even the food thereof, is contemptible. You say also, behold, what a weariness is this, and you have snuffed at it saith the lord of hosts and you have brought that which was taken by violence in the lame and the sick thus you bring the offering shall i accept this of your hand saith the lord but cursed be he that dealeth craftily whereas he hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrifice says unto the lord a blemished thing for i am a great king saith the lord of hosts and my name is feared among the nations So that's chapter one, Malachi chapter one. So I'm gonna actually do the long game and kind of um, read some of the the words that they explained here. And I thought that this kind of helps in our making solid our understanding of the story between uh, Esau and Jacob by understanding exactly what is it that the Lord is talking about when he says, Esau, I mean, Jacob I've loved, but Esau I've hated. So I'm gonna read verse two, um, no, not verse two, but verse three, where it says, Esau I loved, I, Esau, I hated. Esau I hated, loved and hated in this and the preceding verses are relative terms only. They denote that the one has been preferred to another of the similar phraseology applied to Leah and Rachel. And you see that later on in regards to Jacob and his two wives. So it's not saying that God is damning. And I think that from the perspective of when we have heard other people preach on this, they they make it seem like God is declaring from the beginning that this person is going to hell, for example, in the Christian perspective, or that this person is assigned to death. That is not what is happening here. And exactly how you basically shared it, that even though these two are their natures are going in opposite directions. His desire is to bring them back unto him by giving them their own way. That's more or less what it is. So he's preferring the behavior of one to the other. And then when I looked at, um, uh, I found a scripture going back to Rabbi Sachs. Um, Rabbi Sachs mentioned a scripture in Deuteronomy that basically says that Edom, is in Deuteronomy, let me actually pull it up. I think it's Deuteronomy nine. It's basically, it says that the, it says, yeah, there it goes. Deuteronomy 23 verse seven, and I'm gonna read the um, new international version, version for this one. It says, do not despise an Edomite, which are the children of Esau, For the Edomites are related to you. Do not despise an Egyptian because you resided as foreigners in their country. Country. So the first thing is that we think that God is separating these children from the beginning. But not only is He not separating them, He's telling He He admonishes Israel as they are going into the land not to despise um, Edom. He and He calls them your brother. You are still His brother. Okay. And then there's another scripture that I was like, he opened up my eyes. I'm so grateful to have great teachers that have been more seasoned in this word than I, he also goes on to say that Israel is waiting to reconnect or with Eden. And I was like, where is that found? And again, in Deuteronomy, let me find if I can find that scripture. And if I can, I will also link the, um, the scripture, the Rabbi Sachs, um video is less than eight minutes long, definitely shorter than our Bible study today. But um, the long game is that the, God is not seeking to create separation. That's, it seemingly, that's how we perceive it when we read it in our human understanding, looking at these two children warring in from the very womb, and they come out and they do opposing behaviors. They have opposing hearts and affections for the things of God but what he's basically doing is exactly what you said he's giving them this this long suffering opportunity to return to him both in a totally different ways but more or less if you look at the, the aspect of how he yearns for them to return to him it is exactly in the same way amen 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 um as it is our Custom, we will close um, every study with the et caim or the prayer to return. It is um, in Hebrew et caim he la makazim kimba betom ekhem ha meusha derak he ha de ke noam ve teva techa shalom hashive nuaronai etek kavena shuva kadesh. In English, it is stated like this. It is a tree of life to those who take hold of it, and those who support it are praiseworthy. Its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Bring us back, Lord, to you, and we shall come. Renew our days as of old. For your listening pleasure... I have attached the Etchayim. Thank you so much, and I look forward to your
2: feedback. (laughs) Shar first time
0: It is our hope that you will join us as well. Feel free to comment, like, or share with your friends and family. Shalom.